I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 245. All right, jumping right in. Paranormal Experiences. Hey, y'all. My name is Ansley, and I've been listening for around six months. I'm obsessed with y'all, not just the podcast. I just want to let you know how funny you both are while still being very respectful to situations and truly believe that's why you have built such an amazing and positive community. Moving on to the story, but I want to apologize in advance because I have very bad grammar and just had surgery today, so still on those pain meds, ladies. I currently live in Chicago. Plenty of experiences here, I'll get to later, but most of my experiences started in Augusta, Georgia. Around the age of five or six, when my great-grandmother passed away, I began smelling and feeling her. I realize that sounds weird, and I only spent a good amount of times with her, meaning probably a handful. But when she passed away a few months later, I started smelling her perfume around the house and feeling as though someone was next to me, watching out for me in a good presence and energy surrounding me, mostly near bedtime. Besides that, in the house I grew up in, which my great-grandma had never visited, although it was an old house, I would constantly hear creaks and have my doors open and shut throughout the night, and sometimes see dark figures next to me. Oftentimes, things will go missing throughout our house. I distinctly remember that one summer, we bought a giant map of the beach we go to every year. We put it in the storage closet because the week later, my mom is going to take it to get it framed. When she went back to grab it after seeing it the day before, because it's where we kept all of our plastic bags, brooms, etc., it was nowhere to be found. It took around three to five years, I can't quite remember, but I know it was a significant amount of time. Anyhow, it was around 2014 and we were doing house renovations and cleaning out the closet that map was in, switching the arrangement of where we opened the door and changing into a pantry. The moment we went to go empty everything out so we could start renovations, the map was laying in the very front on the floor. Again, I'll get back to this later, but I believe the spirit has followed my family to the other places we've lived. Just a month before we moved away from that house, we had a close family friend pass away, and it was pretty devastating. However, because we were so close, they spent a lot of time at the house and only lived a couple of streets down. Honestly, I'd stay there a lot, and we always had dinners together and a lot of family activities together. So I'm saying we were pretty close, and after he passed away, a few weird things started happening. The first thing that happened was we started noticing dimes everywhere, which we played a card game, which we considered dimes, but I know it's also a different card game to other people, but I've only ever known it as that. Once we started seeing the dimes, we knew it was him, and now we often see them in places where we need reassurance, and we're just thinking about him and missing him. When he first passed away, though a few random things happened, for instance, the family had a laundry room attached to the kitchen, and there were about 10 people standing in the kitchen near the doorway to the laundry room due to the layout where the table was. My aunt turned on the washing machine probably about 10 to 15 minutes prior and we were all talking and having a good time remembering him and the great memories together. All of a sudden the washing machine and the dryer that was not even started going super duper fast and we were like oh no it must be out of balance. Then they start jumping and moving across the laundry room quite literally where one of the uncles had to try to sit on it. He was just still jumping up and down trying to hold this washing machine down. Okay, I know this is a lot, but I'll finally end with a few Chicago stories. In my current apartment, I often wake up with multiple of my cabinet doors open in my kitchen. I wasn't too freaked out by that. I thought, hey, maybe I just left them open, although I never remember doing that. 
It started to get more real, as you could say, when things started going missing in my own home that I used the day before and left out on my kitchen counter or even put back in the correct spot. Just yesterday, I found a pair of missing keys that I had to get recopied because they had been gone for multiple months. And when I came home from the grocery store, they were sitting in the middle of my bathroom floor. Not to mention that a few weeks ago, I had deep cleaned my house and even had my mom come over and help look for things that I thought had gone missing. Well, we never ended up finding any of the things and even looked through every bag, nook, and cranny in my house. But I guess they decided to reappear in a spot they had never been, to my knowledge, and honestly, I was just happy to get them back. Okay guys, I have a few more stories to tell, but I can save them for later because I know this was a lot. I don't know if any of this is interesting, but I really enjoy listening to your show and look forward to every time I see a new episode pop up. Like I said, I'm a listener, but I've been recommending you to every single one of my friends I've been seeing, and now I've got a whole new group of people to talk to your podcast about, which, if you ask me, is pretty freaking exciting. All right, keep on creeping on. I love you guys and this show. You bring a smile to my face, even when talking about the M-word or paranormal. Trust me, though, not in a weird way. Although, I've never thought there's anything wrong with being weird. I certainly am. Lots of love. Thanks for reading. Ansley G. Well, that was a lot of activity. Like, and a lot of the same activity in different places, which is very weird. So it sounds like it's following you. Yeah, for sure. Isn't there a thing you can do for those things that hide things? (laughs) The imps? Yeah, what do you do? You're like, give me back my shit. I'm going to pin you to the wall. Yep. She did an episode on that, so you should look that up. The imps, (laughs) and I don't know. I feel like she gives you, well, basically that's all she says. Pin (laughs) them to the wall. (laughs) Come here, little guy. Grab you and I put you up on the wall. I mean, also ask nicely and just say that you would like your stuff back or, you know what I mean? Yeah, do that first. Mm -hmm. How do you know that you grabbed it? You have, in your mind's eye, you have to think about it. Okay, here's this little guy and I just, and I, oop. (laughs) All I picture is that commercial where I was like, I'm going to get you. (laughs) You know that stupid Geico commercial where he's pitching and he's like, I'm going to get you. Got to be quick. Yes. Meanwhile, I just picture like a little like fairy thing, like bobbing and weaving, like dodging your hand and you think you're grabbing it. And he's like, ha ha ha. No, like I literally pictured him just like standing there looking at you. Yes. Like being like, that's not me. You know, (laughs) like just standing there. Uh, I'm over here. Yeah. (laughs) I'm over here. What's that? That's a commercial too. God, I don't know. Okay. The next one. Hold on to your britches. This one's long and a doozy. Howdy, y'all. I'm going to ask this time around, I be kept anonymous since I'm going to be venting about an active investigation that I'm pretty sure is going to go cold. And I need to let my heart bleed with the only community I've found that would understand what I'm going through. I still have a three plus hour drive back to the airport since my vacation's over, so I figured now is as good a time as any to write in. To start, I need to lay some context, so get ready for lots of names and initials. My family can be described more so as a crawling bush rather than a tree, because we take on those we find along the way and turn them into family, whereas the blood relatives aren't necessarily the ones we choose to associate with. Most of my aunts and uncles are friends of my parents, and all of us kids grew up knowing each other as cousins. My favorite cousins I like to describe as my sisters, besties, wifeys, cousins, because we've all been through hell and back. And this year was the freshest hell we've experienced thus far. When I was a freshman in high school, my parents got divorced and my sperm donor moved out of state. 
He did not maintain contact with me and my sister. He only had one of us for one visitation, and I even filed a missing persons report on him at one point because he wouldn't return any of my calls for two months. So when I was a junior, he decided to come back, and it threw a huge wrench in my life. Sperm donor and I ended up having a huge blow-up argument one Thanksgiving to where I made my mom pick me and my sister up early and my sperm donor was sent back to the psych ward where he apparently had been staying. He had told us he was living with his sister at the time, but was out of the ward for a holiday apparently. While waiting for my mom, I called my favorite uncle, who we'll call R, and asked him to be my dad, to which he promptly said, of course, as long as I get to walk you down the aisle at your wedding. And from then on, Uncle R was my dad, or slash uncle. So some backstory on Uncle R. He's a couple years younger than my mom, and they met when they were teens working together at a hotel and were best friends since. R struggled with addiction, depression, and beyond severe back pain due to years of working as a house inspector and a contractor and had fallen off a couple of roofs and at one point managed to run himself over with his own truck. It's okay to laugh here. We made fun of him so many times for it. He was present for my birth, my sister, and a couple of other cousins' births. I remember when his kids were born and playing with them as babies. R and his kids lived with us for a few times over the years as he went through different relationships and struggles. So to say our family was tight is a massive understatement. So now that I laid out some groundwork, let's get to the nitty gritty of the past 10 to 11 years. At my mom's 40th birthday party, Uncle R met a woman who we'll call S, and they got pregnant pretty quick. R and his three kids, LJ and P, moved in with S, and soon after, RJ, our junior, was born. During that time, I've never seen Uncle R so damn happy and stable. He was going to AA constantly, helped people experiencing domestic violence, got addicts out of their situations, went to church, all while being incredibly involved with all of us kiddos, including coming to my high school graduation, whereas sperm donor couldn't be bothered to show up. Shit didn't start to hit the fan until the son, P, became a young teenager and was beyond rebellious. P has his own mental health and addiction issues, which started coming out when he was young, so it caused a lot of disruption in the family dynamic. P would be in and out of juvenile detention centers and was becoming an awful influence on RJ. So S and R broke up after P assaulted S. I'm sure that R blamed himself for P's actions and problems. And as any good father would do, he tried his best to help his son. But the problem is that R lost himself in trying and ultimately failing to save his son and fell back into his bad habits and started isolating himself from my family. Mind you, at this point, L and J are also adults, and they stayed with S and RJ for a good few years after the separation. Within the past couple of years, R started dating a woman who was younger than me, and we'll call her A. My belief is that she was the beginning of the end for my beloved uncle. She got him back into heroin, drinking consistently, getting arrested, and restraining orders that were broken, and all around being the wrong kind of people. There is one thing I want everyone to remember throughout this story. No matter what struggles R was facing, his kids were always his first priority and he would never not be there for us. So we're going to back up to two Christmases ago, so 2021, when I was with L and Aunt S for a sleepover and we were wrapping presents. 
Now, I'm a pretty big stoner, and I usually smoke concentrates out of what's called a dab ring, basically a really small bong. So when S showed me a picture of the same contraption I used to smoke, but the product was left behind in the banger, I had to tell her that it wasn't cannabis because cannabis doesn't look like that, which prompted his drug screening and custody issues to protect RJ since he was only about six or seven at this point. Now, let's travel to March of this year, 2023. Jay had to take Uncle R for a simple procedure and was unable to pick him up due to a miscommunication. We know he checked out of the hospital, but after that, he literally disappeared. As far as we knew, he wasn't in contact with A, but he must have been. R and J spoke several times a week, and she was ultimately trying to be supportive to her dad. So when she called him the day after his procedure and he didn't answer, she immediately knew something was wrong because he never ignored her. She kept his disappearance to herself for two weeks, reaching out to any of his friends, estranged family, even A, in a desperate attempt to find our daddy before it became a problem. I think she was hoping he was out on a bender and would be back soon. After two weeks and a missed court date about custody for RJ, Jay finally told me what was going on and we both started checking every jail roster in the state in case he traveled and got arrested again somewhere. That turned up nothing. She even reached out to the local news stations and had put a story out about how he was missing. I created a Facebook page to spread the word, shared his picture and photos of his tattoos so he could be identified easily. There were a few false leads, of course, because there are so many skinny, blue-eyed, bald, white men in America. I created a page to show that no matter where he was and no matter what problems he was facing, people knew he's loved and needed to be returned to us immediately. Of course, being the true crime fanatic that I am and knowing my uncle-slash-dad's lifestyle choices, I was anticipating the worst while still hoping for the best. Because this only happens on a podcast or TV, not to me, right? Well, let me tell you, true crime sure tastes different after it's been served to you raw and unfiltered. I stayed home from work one day in late June because I got a nasty cold from being exposed to international germs from my job at the airport. I went to urgent care early and came home to rest. Next thing I know, I hear my mom coming down the stairs. I live with my mom and stepdad because they need my help and we all know rent is insane. Even in the dark, I could tell that she was crying, so I asked what was going on. All she did was crawl into my bed and hold me while saying with a shaky voice, they found uncle, he's not alive. I still cry when I think about that moment too much and I still have small PTSD reaction whenever I hear her coming down the stairs, even after six months. She knew she was coming down to break my heart and soul. I can't describe the guttural, feral scream that came out of me in that moment. What do you mean my dad is gone? What the hell happened? The only thing I'm thankful for was that I was so sick I couldn't scream to my full capacity. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure I would have damaged my vocal cords. The man I chose to be my dad, the one who was always there for me, who always made sure I felt loved and safe, is gone? Just like that? Like, how can that be? What happened to my dad? His body was found naked by a 16-year-old kayaker in a lake up north where we used to camp together as one big family. He was likely in the water the whole three months he was missing, so the coroner couldn't find much. 
His missing person report was filed on St. Patrick's Day, so March 17th, 2023, and he was found on a Tuesday in mid-June, and S made the difficult phone calls the next morning. He was only identifiable by his tattoos, by the pictures I had posted. We still don't know where his phone is. We still don't know how he ended up in the next county. We don't know his cause of death as the coroner wrote undetermined on the certificate. We do know that there were amphetamines in his system, but that isn't a surprise to any of us due to his past habits. We know he saw A after his procedure and supposedly, quote, some druggies picked him up. But that's the end of what we know since A has conveniently disappeared herself. I'm pretty sure she's in hiding because she's a person of interest as she was the last to see my dad alive. After my mom told me that uncle slash dad was gone, we all gathered as a family at S's house to just cry and be together. I was so inconsolable that I had climbed into a rickety half-ass built treehouse that uncle slash dad intended to finish for RJ and held onto the tree and cried what was left of my heart and soul out. My other aunt convinced me to come down for safety and held me on the grass while I sobbed into her shoulder. RJ even came up and gave me a hug and said, everything will be okay. I still to this day don't know how everything will be okay. But I have to trust that little boy because he also lost his daddy. If he can get through it, so can I, right? Not to say that RJ didn't love his dad and isn't grieving in his own little way, but he only had a few years with him, whereas I had 27. So I felt like I had so much more to grieve because I had more time with R. L and J were taking it very differently too. So trying to be a comfort to them while grieving myself was hard. All I wanted to do was split myself in half so I could hold them both while we all cry. I still haven't gotten married, so he'll never walk me down the aisle. He'll never get to try to scare off another boyfriend of mine. I'll never feel his warm embrace again. I never got to say goodbye. My only comfort is that I got a hug when I last saw him and we said I love you. His service went well. Pete even stayed out of jail long enough to attend. And I found the strength to speak at his service about how his superpower was turning friends into family and how much he means to me. Now for the not-so-sinister sightings that I've had since his passing. The night I went to sleep after being told he was gone, I begged to his soul and whatever higher power may be to please show me what happened to my daddy for closure. The dream I had was that I woke up in my bed to my room slowly being filled with cold, dark lake water. That was it. So my only guess is maybe he was struggling with his demons, went somewhere where he had happy memories of us as one big family, maybe had an overdose too close to the water's edge and drowned. Maybe it was a suicide. Maybe it was murder. Maybe it was an accident. I don't know if we'll ever know. And that uncertainty is what's keeping me up at night. One of the other more vivid dreams I've had that I'm sure are visitations was Elle and I were having to navigate our way through this weird yet gorgeous house. Once we got to a crawl space in the attic and went through, R was just sitting on the couch waiting for us. I turned to Elle and asked her to touch my hand so I could feel that she was real. Her hand went through mine, just like an NPC in a video game. She walked out the door, so I knew it was my time to be with R. And I fell into his lap and I hugged him and I cried about how much I love and miss him. I can still feel his arms around me saying, I love you too, shithead. He always called his kids fuckface, dipshit, and things like that. Those were his terms of endearment. He had a tough exterior but was a teddy bear inside. I've had a couple of other visitations and I will always remain grateful that he's coming to see me. But at the same time, 
I want answers to my questions that he can't or won't answer. All this to say, hold your loved ones close and don't miss an opportunity to say, I love you. We aren't promised tomorrow. We never know when you'll see someone for the last time. I can't help but cry when I hear the sinister sightings of fellow creepsters saying goodbye to their ailing loved ones because I never got that chance. Part of me can't decide whether I'm glad I don't know what happened and hopefully it was quick and painless or watching him get sick and slowly deteriorate and lose himself. I don't know what the right answer is, but I don't get to have a say. I just have to live with his absence now when all I want is one more day with him, one more hug, one more car ride where we sing loudly and terribly to country songs, just anything to have one more moment with my daddy again. Normally, I try to end on a positive note, but there is no positive to this except that my dad doesn't have to struggle with his demons anymore. He doesn't have to be in pain anymore. I hope he's out there somewhere flying free as the eagles he had tattooed on his body, watching over us and keeping us safe in his own angelic way. I'd also normally apologize for this being so long, but trust and believe I could have made this longer. 27 years with him wasn't enough, but I don't think I could ever have enough time with him. All I know now is to never be afraid to hug my loved ones and always tell them how much they mean to me. If that's the only takeaway in this long email, then that's good enough for me. My dad deserves to have his story told, even if we don't know exactly why it ended the way it did. Thanks for listening, and I hope an ambient story is next for a palate cleanser, because I know this was kind of heavy. Catch you next time, Creepsters. I love you all. JJ. P.S. The Foo Fighters were releasing singles from their new album, But Here We Are, during the day of my uncle's disappearance. Under You came out the day I found out he was missing, and The Glass came out the day I found out he was dead. If you feel so inclined, listen to these two songs, or the whole album, honestly. My mom and I saw them in concert in August 2023, and crying to Dave Grohl singing The Glass was the most therapeutic thing I have ever experienced. I had a version of love, and just like that, I was left to live without it. Left to live without it. Until next time, Creepsters. JJ, we are so sorry for your loss. I think this is a good example of you can love someone through their flaws and all of that. They don't have to be this perfect person to matter to someone. And he went missing and, you know, a family was missing him. Right. Now he's gone. Like, it doesn't matter that he had demons and all of that. We all do. But the fact that she's missing, like, she skipped town. Yeah, that's weird. That is weird. And, like, she was the last person to have seen him, supposedly. You know, like, I don't know. But, you know, sometimes, too, people, if they've done something wrong that has nothing to do with that you know, they may be fearful and leave town too. Yeah, that's true. This is why we don't solve crimes. We talk about them after because I even talked about that a little bit about just going to that museum, the Alcatraz Museum, like seeing Ted Bundy's car. It's like, wait, people actually died there, you know? And it's like, we do these true crime stories, but it, I mean, for you, this is real life. This isn't a story that you listen to on a podcast. And I just can't even imagine what you're going through. So thank you for sharing that. And hopefully, I don't know, y'all get some sort of answers. Yeah. And definitely keep us posted on this story because we want to go, th- you know, go through this with you. So keep us posted on, you know, any information you find out or anything like that. Okay, the next one. Well, ladies, you know how all these begin. Why should I be different? Love the podcast. I only recently found you weirdos. So I'm bitching every day, all day. 
I never want to be caught up. What will I do with my life? Anyway, here are a few of my sleep paralysis adventures. I don't want you running out of stories. Backstory. My mama also has this terrifying, horrible, inconvenience to decent sleep nightmare of an issue. As a tiny tot, I often had to help wake my mom up and get her back to this hellhole of reality. That being said, when it started to happen to me, I knew what was going on and that my mother cursed me with her weirdness. Fast forward to my live-in boyfriend, now hubby. He's a logger and a big-time country boy. Tall, bearded flannel shirts, the constant smell of gas, oil, and tree sap no matter how many times he showers. Anywho, getting off topic, I ramble a lot. One night, I wake up to the sound of a chainsaw in my room. I can smell it, hear it. I can even feel the vibrations in the air. Of course, I can't fucking move. Only been dating this guy a few months. We lived with my parents because we're young adults and couldn't afford the dirt on our shoes. I see at the foot of the bed my boyfriend with this scary-ass smile on his face slowly walking towards me. He cranks the chainsaw and proceeds to cut my fucking leg off. What the fuck? I'm screaming bloody murder. As you know, I'm being sliced like a goddamn tree trunk. My dad, being the superhero he is, comes in the room and wakes me as he pulled me out of my nightmare. When I came to, I look over and see my boyfriend is white as a thousand-year-old ghost. He is wide-eyed and trembling. Now, remember, he's tough and ain't scared of shit, country boy. But apparently, he was not expecting me to go into a scene of The Exorcist at 2 a.m. He just blankly asked, does this happen a lot? My dad's answer was, buckle up, it's a weekly thing. Why he didn't run that night is beyond me. Fast forward again. We're now in a shitty trailer in the worst part of town with paper-thin walls and doors. When I say thin, I mean you can see through them. Winter was a bitch. Anyhow, we're married at this point. Poor sucker. I had started a new job as an auditor for a hotel. On third shift. So many spooks with that job. I was the only worker there at night. What the fuck? Anyhow, living in the shady-ass neighborhood... I'm talking meth labs on every corner. I wanted to get a big-ass scary motherfucking dog to protect me as I sleep my days away. So I did. He's a Great Dane pit bull mix named Cornpuff. Yes, you read that right. My giant-ass guard dog's name is Cornpuff. As you could assume, my husband was working daylight hours because logging at night would be hella creepy. So I was home alone. When the sleep paralysis would hit, there was no one at home to wake me. Well, no one but my 98-pound beast of a dog. His method to help me was to jump on Mommy and lick her face. This was effective. Worked every time. Love my corn puff. One night, I was back to my normal humanish sleep schedule, and lo and behold, another fit hit me. I can hear and feel my hubby trying to wake me. He's talking to me, telling me that I'm okay, but fuck that. Whatever's happening to me was real, and this bullshit voice was not working. So here comes good old Corn Puff. He slobbered his big-ass cow tongue up my face, and boom, I'm awake. Here's the punchline. Are you girls ready? My hubby looks at me dead-ass serious and says, Next time, I'm looking at your face, and walks out of the room. I hope I could provide you with a good laugh. Keep doing what you're doing. We all love you. That's hilarious. That is some shit Colby would have said to yes, me. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Because also, not like that he would be mad, but it's just like, that's what got you up? Yes, absolutely. You know, like, that's it. Like, well, next time I'm doing that. Yes. Meanwhile, he's been like, for 20 minutes, been like, wake up, wake up. You're okay. Yeah. You're okay. <laughs> oh, and I think we can say her name because she wrote it out phonetically. So that was Charlene. 
So meanwhile, her husband's like, Charlene, wake up. I love you. Wake up. And your dog's like, and I look. <laughs> oh, that's slobber. Donna, I, I could see Donna being like, Ugh. oh, God. She hates dog slobber. Then you know that that Great Dane Pitbull mix slobbers a oh, shit ton. Oh, my gosh. And that's the thing, because I do love like bigger dogs like that, but it's the slobber. One time there was this big old like bloodhound looking dog and he had his head out the window. So his ears were kind of flapping and so cute. And I was like, oh my God, because uh, 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 uh. it was slobber <laughs> hanging like a fucking kite going down. the thing. <laughs> oh God. I was like, nope. Mm-mm. Sometimes it grosses Colby out. Like if we're sitting there eating and Jack starts slobbering, sometimes he's like, can you get it? Yeah. Ooh, I don't like it. I mean, but to be fair, I don't like it on babies either. Okay. <laughs> And old people. Just during sex. Not even during sex. (laughs) Me doing it? Sure. Guy doing it? No. I wish I could have seen what your then boyfriend looked like when he woke up to you like screaming, your dad there, all the things and being like, what the fuck just happened? Also, I really like that that did end on a good note because the one before was heavy and they were like, I hope you have an ambient story after this, but it wasn't ambient, but it was a funny night terror one. That's a fucking oxymoron. A funny night terror. I know. I know. Okay. The next one. Hey there, ladies. I hope you're doing well. I too am worried about running out of stories. So here we are finally getting around to sharing this one. This story happened way back on Christmas of 2004 when I was four years old. My dad's entire family was at my dad's mom's house. I'm talking at least eight or 11 aunts and uncles, their spouses, and all the kids they had. Then my parents and three kids. This was the first Christmas after my granddad had passed. He passed away the April before and everyone was in their fields, swapping stories and shedding tears. We had our gift exchange and our grandma had gotten all of us grandkids these really cool airplane video games. I remember being on the couch playing with my new toys when I noticed a bright white light coming from the bottom of the boot room door. Obviously, I had to go and inspect this little light. So I got up and I opened the door and I saw three little girls whom I did not recognize. They were wearing long white dresses that seemed to be illuminated and had big fluffy wings like angel wings. I don't remember what these girls looked like, but I do remember that we didn't speak to each other at all. Then I remember looking down and seeing that I didn't have my normal dress on, but an illuminating white dress like these other girls. The girls then handed me a pair of wings that I put on and somehow they attached themselves to my body. I then remember the roof opening up and I started to levitate. The other girls with wings started flying away but looking down at me and reached out their hands like they wanted me to come with them. I remember being confused but I grabbed one of their hands and we started flying. We flew so high and so fast. It was snowing but I wasn't cold at all. The roof of the house disappeared and I was able to see everyone inside. I don't remember the rest of the flying, going back inside, or the rest of the day. This experience felt so real. It was months later while driving to my grandmother's house that I remembered what happened and I asked my parents what happened to the wings they bought me for Christmas. But obviously, they were confused and told me I never received wings for Christmas. I remember getting so upset when I told them my story and they gaslit me into thinking it never happened. I like to think that somehow my granddad had sent them to me to cheer me up since I had always been his favorite grandchild. 
But I don't know because it was such a weird experience and maybe it was just one of those dreams that feel too realistic. And I do have a history of having fucked up dreams. Like the one where I thought people broke into my house and I was going to fight them naked. If you guys remember that story I sent in like two years ago. I wish I remembered more of it, but I was so young and it happened such a long time ago. So what do you all think? Was it a dream or were they angels? Thanks for the podcast and the amazing community. I love your podcast and have listened to each episode at least three times. I wish you both all the happiness and luck in the world, and I hope you're enjoying your new job, Donna. Your favorite Canadian extra-large pizza, Sarah. Well, you know I don't remember that story because I don't remember anything, but I guarantee Donna does. Fighting someone naked? Hell yeah. Why are dreams so weird? Like, why are there so many components that you remember so vividly, but it's like, why wings? Why, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. why all these things? Why were the dress illuminating? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think it probably was one of those dreams that were really realistic. However, I still feel like that was a visitation. That was something from your granddad. But obviously, like, I don't think you flew all the way up there and all the things. But like, I think it you experienced it for a reason. Or did they, if you believe astral projections a thing? That's true. While I was reading it, I was scared. Like, you're going to say somehow you choked on something, but like you were having this like experience where, you know, like you're doing all these things and near death or something. You know, I'm dramatic. You? <laughs> okay, the next one. Hello, my beautiful creeps. You can call me Cat. I love you girls and the podcast. I'm a longtime listener and your friendship reminds me of my best friend and me. Also, sorry for the bad writing. Anyway, let's get to the story and trigger warning, this is about pet loss. I had a dog named Zara. She was a corgi mixed Australian shepherd. She was the most beautiful girl in the world. Backstory. I got Zara because I lived alone and didn't really have much friends. Also, I never felt safe in my room. I don't know why, I just never did. So when I did get her, I felt more safe. Is that weird? Zara was the little fun-loving dog and always loved to be outside, and she had to go everywhere with me. If she heard my keys, she was at the front door waiting for me. Zara got really sick at two years old, and I won't go into all the details on how she passed. I didn't get much time with her. I still grieve her love. I got a call from my mom on June 6, 2023, that Zara had passed away. I also lost my baby before then and was in and out of the hospital, so I didn't get to see Zara much. So when my mom told me she had passed, I thought it was a joke, but it hit me that she was actually gone. I cried into her doggy bed wishing it was a dream, but unfortunately it wasn't. But to understand what I'm going to say is when she shakes her head, you can hear her ears flop and her collar jingle. So a few days after she passed, me and my partner were in bed talking when we both heard that noise. We both stopped talking and he asked me if I heard that, to which I replied with yes. I like to think it was Zara telling me she's okay and this is goodbye, but some nights I still think I can hear her coming to see me. Let me know if you want me to write in on the times I heard my name being called in the basement or how my husband and me heard someone walking up and down the stairs when it was just us at home. But for now, creep it real and don't get scared. Well, yeah, we want you to send all that in, Kat. Yeah, we do. And sadly, when you said you can call me Kat, it reminded me of when I was high on the cruise ship and I said, did he say just call me Kat? And Tiffany said, his name's Scott. Uh, well, it reminded me of the show with Maya Bialik. Yeah. 
also so very sorry for your loss and like that's how I was with Bo I only had Bo for like two years but it felt like a lifetime he was literally the best dog on the planet and it was like it wasn't enough time I'm like wait this isn't fair I didn't get enough time because I got him when he was four you know like this isn't fair that somebody got all that time with him and didn't love him and gave him up and I only got two years with him yeah Luckily, I've been having a bad week, so I took an extra abuse bar, so (laughs) didn't cry on that story. (laughs) That's what. Okay. (laughs) Tiffany, (laughs) yesterday I had said that I took two right before I had went to work, and I was like, and I took another one, like, after, and Tiffany said, how many of those a day are you supposed to have? I don't know. As needed. (laughs) (laughs) And right now I need them. (laughs) (laughs) I totally get that, though. I mean, there's still times where I think I hear Marley, you know, and I've like looked like with my flashlight to be like, wait, what? It's hard. It, I think it's right now it's more hard for me because I still look for her. If I go on my 15 minute breaks at lunch, I still like want to go check and see if she has water. Yeah. And just check and see if she's okay. Is she outside? Is she inside? You know, that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, wait. It's hard losing a pet, mm-hmm. like in ways that you don't think about, like you just don't realize how much they're ingrained into your daily life. Yeah. Well, when we had to say goodbye to Marley, uh, I smelled her feet because they're little Frito toes. You yeah. Know? And uh, I gave Carrie her like bigger bed that she had in my room. And then I gave Tiffany her smaller bed and I smelled them both before I came home. <laughs> uh, and I still haven't washed a blanket. Yeah. Because it's like, it's still her, you know? Yeah. That's okay. I mean, same thing with your mom. Think of how long it took you to take your mom's clothes down. Yeah. It was the last clothes that she wore. You know, I mean, that's yeah. okay. God, that's so weird. Cause yeah, I would just smell them. <laughs> like, well, that's okay. They're on the door. Not like gross, but you know what I mean? I mean, they were her dirty clothes, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know. No, like I, I know what you mean. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, you're not weird at all. That's completely normal. I mean, my dad is still, I can't take him out of my favorites. Like, I literally have his phone and his number is disconnected. Well, I'm sure somebody has it now, but he's still on my favorites list and can't even begin to make myself, you know, take him out of that. And it's been a year. Yeah. All right. Last one. Hi, friends. Just listening to episode 285, almost caught up to real time. And y'all are talking about Savannah, Georgia. I just had a quick little event I wanted to share from when I visited the area with my husband's family. In 2022, my in-laws had planned our annual vacation with their lifelong best friends and their kids. This trip was to Tybee Island, Georgia, and it was wonderful. The first full night we were there, we had dinner at Vinnie Van Gogo's in downtown Savannah for a bite of pizza and beer. After, we had reservations for a haunted walking tour planned for downtown Savannah. All is well. I've got a good buzz going on from the beer and snuck a little devil's lettuce before the tour started. My husband and I grabbed our water bottles from the car, walked to meet the tour. The weather is nice, a little humid, but nothing unequivalent to what we've experienced here in St. Louis. The tour starts and I'm listening to the tour guide intently because I love history. Donna, I have a degree in it as well, but absolutely do nothing with it. It was just the most interesting way to get a degree after changing majors a few times. We walk to the first destination, not 20 feet from our meeting spot. It's the Mercer Williams house. 
I wish I could tell you about the haunted history of the house, but I don't remember much. As we were guided around to the side of the house, my husband and I took up the back of the pack as I was looking at the front of the house. We then followed the group, and as we were walking, my hearing began to distort and fade. My mind got fuzzy, and I knew I was about to pass out. This, the fuzzy deaf feeling, had only happened once in my life prior, when I passed out in an elevator after getting blood drawn at 16. Thanks, Accutane. I walked quickly up to my husband and I whispered, I'm about to pass out, watch me. I found a tree and I leaned against it as if my knees were about to fail to support me. My back burned as I scraped down the tree and my head was pounding as if I had had a migraine all day. And then I was out. It wasn't more than 30 seconds at all and I was fine after. God bless my husband for being a paramedic and a firefighter and remaining calm in all situations. Not a soul, but the two of us knew I passed out. I missed most of the discussion of this house on the tour after, kind of freaked out about my health in general, but I felt fine. When we got back to the condo we stayed at, I googled the history. Potentially, the area I passed out in was the same area that a boy, Tommy Downs, fell from the roof and was impaled on an iron fence. So was this a sinister sighting or undiagnosed anemia? It's September 2023, and I still have scars from sliding down that tree and scraping up my back. There is a book about this place, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, and I guess it takes from the house's history, so it may be worth to read, but I won't read it. However, it does seem like the house has some stories up Donna's alley, so I thought I'd tell mine. Bye! Love you, Maddie J. When I read that you said, I'm about to pass out, watch me. Like, it just was like, watch me, I'm about to pass out. You know what I mean? It's But it's not really that. It's like, pay attention because I might pass out. If I said I'm about to pass out to Colby, that guy will say, do, I, do you need to go to the hospital when I have a migraine? <laughs> like, ain't no shot he would be like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, he would be like, we, we, gotta, we need to go to the emergency room right this minute. Yes. But also, he can stay completely calm, but his go-to is, i got to take you to the emergency room. Yes. Also, why can't we get, like, golf cart riding ghost tours instead of these walking fucking tours? Oh, my gosh, right? I don't know if it's paranormal or not, but you did only have, like, you've only done that one other time. It's not like that's just, like, a normal thing for you. But just in case, take you some iron. Right. Oh, well, do what your doctor says. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I just have anemia and I have to take iron. Thank y'all so much for sending all these stories. I feel like y'all feel my anxiety of running out of stories. So I'm sorry to have put my anxiety on y'all. But like, (laughs) for real, keep them in. Because y'all know how long ago I said that. And it wasn't that long ago. Right. So uh, keep them coming. If you want your story read on an episode, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.